I don't think you can overstate the responsibility that we all share as communicators, whether it's as content creators, you know, um, for art's sake or, or doing it on behalf of brands. Welcome back to the Genuine X podcast. This week, we've got a really interesting show. We speak to Rob Cowie from Hilo and John Buzzle from Unreal Engine. We're going to talk about the impact that 5G could potentially have on the interactive storytelling space. We also talk about how big tech giants are now facing off against media companies to create content. We also talk about the tyranny of the rectangle, or as you and I would know it, the small screen. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Genuine X podcast. Uh, We are really lucky today to be joined by two fantastic guests. Um, Gents, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. My name is Rob Cowie. I'm uh, the Director of Experience Technology, which is the craziest title I've ever had, Um, at Hilo, um, which uh, we're um, kind of a, I guess, a boutique experience agency. Um, Yeah, that's who I am. Um, I'm John Bazell, and I am the lead for uh, agencies and brands uh, with Unreal Engine, uh, which is a a game engine uh, as part of uh, Epic Games. And I want to pick up a little bit on that in a sec about exactly uh, what a game engine is. But you guys have quite a long-standing relationship before this, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know that John likes me telling this, but uh, John was actually the the lead actor in my uh, film that I made when I was 15 years old in Atlanta, Georgia, where he played the villainous boyfriend (laughs) who drank way too much and in in the process killed his girlfriend. And it was... it was horrible, and uh, the, the the film was actually adopted by the, the high school uh, health department and got promoted to the state, and so if you went to public school in, in Georgia, you had to watch as part of your health class, John killing his girlfriend. So that explains just, when I walk into a room why they're like, just <laughs> I know. Exactly. Yeah, thanks yeah. for that. John, where did, you, where did you channel your character from? You know, what was your inspiration for that role? At 15 years old, killing Let's your see, girlfriend? We, like, go back in the memory banks. Uh, pretty, pretty deep there. Uh, wow. <laughs> you know, Rob is a, a very talented director, and uh, uh, I think... I didn't know at the time it was a bit like one of those commercials where the actors don't know that they're uh, repping some kind of embarrassing product like adult diapers. So right. like, sit here in the, in, in the smoky room and say, hey, Paul, have a beer. Right. And uh, later on I found out I was a murderer. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for that. Well, you know, so, uh, but John, 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 we were both part of a, a – a club or an organization yeah, called it was the, the media productions group, yeah, yeah media production and in in that John was very uh, technical and did a lot of the computer stuff and animation and that and I did a lot of the camera stuff and 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 yeah we became friends I don't even know now how I talked him into acting but um but yeah we you know we we collaborated through that stuff and then like many years later almost Gosh, 25, 30 years? we got to figure out the, the time. But uh, we were both speaking at a conference and bumped into each other. And 
and uh, started talking and then just went and had lunch and then realized that despite this gap in time, our careers had really converged in so many ways. And, and really, we've, we've been talking about stuff ever since over the last, you know, two, three years. I, I mean, it's crazy. You started in the film and television business, made your way through theme park uh, you know, experience design into electronic arts, working on the cinematics for the Madden football games, which are some of the American footballs, which is some of the most, you know, uh, popular video games and certainly in the States. Um, and then uh, ended up working in an experience uh, agency, whereas I started off on the computer side, worked in CD-ROM and narrowband websites and broadband and mobile um, and then ended up working in an experience uh, technology agency. And so, yeah, we were both giving talks at a game developers conference. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's quite interesting that, you know, our talk today um, was about uh, the converging worlds of technology and cinema and experience. And I think our careers have mirrored that. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's even more interesting that, that um, John and I, uh, see, see the world and we were both 48 we both have you know we both have kids sorry uh, sorry John I'm telling all your secrets buddy um, we, we, we both have you know raised children we're both in that part of our life where uh, we're young enough and I guess technology enough to have that side of it but also old enough to have like made a lot of mistakes and learned a lot of lessons so it's really it's it's a really interesting back and forth between the two of us uh, we don't agree on everything I'm normally right he's normally wrong but <laughs> no but no it's, a, it's great to have that kind of uh, well, somebody I, you respect and yeah, can yeah. can I think it's an interesting perspective too like coming from the sandwich generation um, we have one foot in kind of the old world of, um, you know, terrestrial cable or, or, or linear broadcast, right, where there are three channels. Um, and then we have our other foot here in the future where we're living with, you know, persistent, uh, you know, uh, conversational AI um, with, with our phones and like an aerosolized technology that you can just speak into the air what you want and it happens, right? Like, you know, hey, Alexa, turn on the family room TV. Like very few... Uh, gen uh, generations have the experience of having lived 20 years or so in, in kind of both uh, yeah. both worlds. So, When I originally spoke to Rob, that was something that really I, I just found very interesting about, about your career, but also I think it mirrors in yours uh, as well, John, is that um, you guys have seen like the biggest change when it comes to technology and also been at the heart and taken advantage of it, right? Like yeah. it's been really exciting to see those things change. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people don't realise that Blair Witch was actually a very tech-centric project. It doesn't look like it. You know, it looks like eight millimeter video, which it was, and some sixteen millimeter film. Very little of it, which it was. But um, we used uh, GPS very heavily in making that film. It was eight days. Um, we gave the actors a GPS, and then basically we told them shoot everything. Um, and then we monitored. We mapped them out. We, you know, one of my my co-producer had been in the military, and and he used a lot of the techniques that he had learned. Um, through there and we applied technology to making that film and then Blair was one of the first films that was edited on a digital uh, platform, a digital media uh, uh, platform and we could not have made Blair Witch without nonlinear editing and it had only been invented like a couple of years before um, because we had oh, an ungodly amount of, of footage, I think it was like 42 hours of footage that we turned into 87 minutes of, of film so um, I think you're right, I mean I mean, the, we, we I could not have done 
the things that we've been exposed to without constantly being looking at, okay, well, what's this paintbrush and, and how can I use that paintbrush? Because mm. it's the storytelling is at the heart, right? It's, it's like it's uh, using different mechanics to tell a story, it seems, with, with both of you. I mean, I'm, I have limited but a little bit of experience with game engines in that I am in awe of people that can really use them and I watch from afar some of the beautiful and incredible things that come out of them because they can give the, the person who really understands how to use them godlike status because you can create an entire world within them. Right. And, and so these tools, and even going back to sort of Blair Witch, Blair Witch, the way first example of experiential filmmaking. Yeah. I would, I would say, I think I said that to you before. Yeah. I was yeah. Like, you, I like you, that. Were actually, you, you nailed it. You, yeah. you, you said it. You're like, yeah. yeah. And by the way, I've used it now. So yeah. thank oh, you. Yeah. It's, mate, I pre- it's appreciate it. Totally that, you can have that. Yeah. When I said it, I was yeah. like, mm, I like that one. <laughs> yeah. I like um, it. But, but, you know, just new ways of telling stories. And this seems to be a common theme between you two as well that that's something that you guys really enjoy, like telling a story in a new way that affects someone in a new way. Sure. I mean, I th- there was a great question uh, in the talk this morning. I think it was uh, Carrie uh, who was saying, you know, what do we do about privacy as digital and physical realities begin to merge? And, you know, it, it has always been that kind of uh, an arms race between humanity or society's ability to kind of stay out of the dream and, and stay in the real versus, you know, dramatic moments that might pull us into someone else's story, whether that's real or fictional. I mean, people used to draw gasps around a campfire and then used to be able to elicit that in the theater with a mask or shaking a piece of tin. And, you know, fast forward, you know, a thousand years and here we are with game engines that increasingly um, can be created in real time, can look photo real, and can be played back in ways that kind of mesh with what you see in the world around you. So yeah, it's it's a very interesting time. Yeah, I, I grew up in South Africa. Um, my dad was a documentary filmmaker um, and got involved in training as well. Um, and, you know, in South Africa, you had a country of 25 a million people roughly, you know, back then, but you had, I think it was 11 official languages. Um, and and so uh, communication across that pool became all about imagery and, and communicating through the visual medium. I think you've seen a lot of great artists come out of South Africa for, for some of those reasons. Um, and, and it is at, at the center of technology is humans. And, and if you if you don't put the human at the center and the story at the center of your tech, then the tech is just useless and, and frankly can be just frustrating. Um, and and the, it drives me crazy when I see bad user, you know, uh, user user experience design. And, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> we talked about a lot of tyrannies uh, uh, today. We've talked about the tyranny of the rectangle because we've been conformed to the rectangle for, for so long. Um, and we talked about the, the tyranny of the green screen because filmmakers have been conformed to that for so long. Uh, and there is a tyranny of, of bad tech design. Um, and and uh, so we've got to fight that. Mm. And I suppose in, in what you guys are now putting together at Hilo and the things you must see on a day-to-day um, with Epic and Unreal, uh, those ways of telling those stories, like the, the rectangle is no longer becoming the medium well, it's still the medium of choice, but the, the the fight is still on to kind of push against that, right? I mean, I, I think for a long time, creators have been forced to work within the confines of their medium, right? You know, you're working the canvas or you're working the celluloid or you're working the, you know, the CRT, um, you know, for, uh, for the old school computers. Um, but increasingly, creators can, you know, 
bring their vision, they can ev evoke an image of, of their creative vision and know that it's not going to be captured, you know, only by rectangles. That, you know, with spatial computing and other technologies, especially in the experiential realm, uh, with holograms and what have you, people can bring those same assets to life that represent their vision in all these different ways. And you can create a story that follows you from one medium to another, which we haven't seen too many examples of that. There was a great uh, game, I think, was it Infocom or Electric Arts that did Mystique? The game that would call you and send you faxes. Wow. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, awesome you now. were drafted into yeah. um, uh, in some kind of intrigue around a, a secret uh, plot. Yeah. And when you signed up for the game, they wanted your, you know, all your information and they would call you in the middle of the night yeah. and say, hey, you know, you need to do this or that. And it really broke boundaries for, for what entertainment was. And similarly, people can do that now, but it's going to take some time for people to catch up. One, one of my favorite experiences that I've been to uh, was at the Sundance uh, Film Festival. They, they have a section of their festival called The New Frontier, and it's they're always exploring. You know, they, they really bring in artists and encourage them to do new frontier stuff um so there was an exhibit there called uh the hours and um it was basically a table um with a, a house um there was projection mapping on the house so you could see everything in the house um there was sound um that was around that room but then you also had spatial audio on your ears like on your shoulders and you then took your phone right and you that became the frame and you could see the house and there was a story that was going on in front of you in AR in front of the house. You then would move around like a clock. That's what it was called the hours. If you move forward, the story went forward in time. If you moved backwards, the story would reverse in time and then you realized, hold on a second, I can actually go under the table and there's a lake underneath the table. So in that way, the frame um, became almost like a magnifying glass, like a kid looking at ants and studying patterns or whatever. Um, and, it, and in a way, it kind of inversed the, the, the tyranny of the frame, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a great example of a combination of physical experience, projection mapping, audio, you know, full immersion. Um, and, I, and I think that's, that's magic. You know. There was another part of the um, when Xbox did their uh, Xbox Entertainment Studios, they had a lot of relationships with different uh, you know content um, authors, and one of them was a piece called Possibilia, and it was an interactive piece of video where you watched a breakout playing out a break uh, breakup excuse me playing out in a small house, mm -hmm. and you could make instant choices of, about what would happen next. Does you know? Does somebody offer an empathetic response, or does someone kind of hold their line in terms of their argument? And that's been done before, but what was interesting about Possibilia was those streams, you know, were created almost as separate universes and you could skip back and forth between them. So um, you see the screen begin to subdivide with the two different realities playing out based on the choice. So if you choose the negative path, negative is playing alongside positive and then negative on top of that and on top of that. So, you know, technology is allowing for people to explore stories in ways that are not just one contrived thread as told by a you know a director. Um, and it's... Really well, I mean, it's interesting what John said earlier about like we're we're children of the linear story, right? Um, but but actually, in a way, that's a 
bastardization of human experience um, because really we were sitting around the campfire or going on, you know, people were, you know, emoting in front of us. Like that, that spatial experience is our norm, yeah. you know. It's really unusual for it to be boxed, right? So uh, it is wonderful to explore the, the different possibilities. And then, of course, you add interaction mm -hmm. to that and, and uh, um, there's a real meaningfulness um, to it that I that I think you you can do. There's an abuse of it. There's a there's a lot of tech for tech sake yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. that that you'll come across, and and in a, a lot of times that's like, you know, I I love and respect engineers, and you can't get it. But sometimes engineers need to just make a model of it and work yeah. it out, you know. And and then the artists come and they're like, that's really cool. What if we, yeah. you know, contextualize this and added meaning and purpose and and focused it. And and I think that's when these things become transformational. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then from the campfire to yeah. 5G in the blink of an eye, it seems, yeah. in terms of human existence. <laughs> yeah. You guys, I mean, over at Unreal must be very excited about the 2020 sort of predominant rollout of 5G, uh, allowing your polygon count to fly through the air seamlessly <laughs> so we can have high 4K uh, resolutions of experiences. I, I mean, mean, it's going to make a big certainly. game change for you, right? Yeah, I mean... You made a good point earlier that we've lived through a lot of these yeah. technological upheavals. I mean, digital video wasn't that long ago. I remember looking at these tiny little postage stamp videos thinking, gosh, that's going to be amazing. And then soon after that, they had what they called QuickTime VR, which yeah. was kind of early 360 video, right? Or even to look at an object from any angle. And here within just one generation, you've seen this... Um, I mean, it's, it's easy to appreciate uh, now, but it's it's been a long time in the coming. Uh, with 5G, creators can make the best quality version of an asset, whether that's a set or a prop or an actor or a sequence, and not have to reimagine it for someone to experience on their phone or in their living room or in a theater uh, or as part of an experience. Uh, 5G offers that opportunity to deliver it instantly, to deliver it dynamically, um, and to really... Um, remove the sense of artifice so it begins to merge with the real world um, and that that creates a lot of interesting opportunities for storytellers whether you're you know telling a story for a brand or telling a story for kind of intellectual property around content that you can start to play stories not only within someone's life but across it and uh, 5g is just going to allow that to just be hyper real super deep and uh you know, we hope that people use Unreal Engine to create those assets to bring their story to life. And yeah. but it's you know it's remarkable. I mean, it's you know, five G is important and and really, but across the, you know, across the tech sphere, there are amazing innovations like this all happening at the same time. One of my favorite is is the unique scene descriptor file format, which is uh, was developed by Pixar. Um, and you can imagine Pixar movies happen in every format, right? I mean, it's obviously got to be highest quality for cinema, but think about all of those computer-generated assets that need to be in multiple different formats, you know, on your phone, on your web, on the, like everything. So they actually developed, you know, US, US, USDs, and then that got adopted by Disney, and then that got adopted by Marvel, and then basically they said okay anyone who's working with us you guys need to use this and then it it's it's quickly becoming it's still not through everything but basically that allows us to take all the metadata that's involved in all of these and it's it's been the dream because for a lot of creators 
oh, I got to take this element and translate it into this and like all the physics of, uh, of all that. I mean, it's, it's massively time consuming. And now when you're in a, a real time world that, that you are with, with Unreal, where you can interact with these things, not in a green screen environment, but actually against an LED wall, uh, you can pick up a prop and it, 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 it has an impact, a real time impact on something. You can change the set dynamically. You can move the camera or for an experience, you can make it where somebody walks in and, and uh, you know, the, the space itself is aware of that person in real time. Um, you're definitely heading towards holodeck territory. I was, you know, it was, <laughs> I was going to say, am I going to get my holodeck yet? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's just, that becomes yet another medium in which we can play. I mean, touching on something that Rob, uh, Robin said earlier, uh, you mentioned Disney and Pixar. Uh, they were early leaders in uh, CGI rendering technology. And kind of the state of the art back in the you know late 80s, early 90s was this process by which en- you know it ended with computers just chugging and chugging and chugging for days or, or even months uh, to create a single frame or a short sequence of frames. And when you know Robin is talking about real-time, technology ad- has advanced to the point now where there's no longer any waiting. So for marketers, that's a double-edged sword, right? Because clients can be clients all the way up to the end and continue to change their mind. And the nice thing is that agencies can now react to that in real-time and say, oh, you want that over here? Well, this is what that looks like. Or you want to see what it looks like if we did the program at night? Well, this is what that looks like. Or what if we did it in Helsinki instead of, you know, um, you know, uh, Marrakesh, like here's what that would look like with the different, you know, weather and position of the sun, all these things. So um, real time, I mean, we've digitized the word, we've digitized the the sound, uh, the still image, the moving image. Now we're really getting into digitizing experiences, um, moments, um, sequences. It's going to be an unlock, I think, for a lot of people when they start to realize that their play space requires no processing on the end. You know, they can just continue to dream and experiment. John, John did a really cool project at the last company that he was with where they used um, projection mapping to light a city, right? Or, like, or is a building where you could do different times of day. Is that right? Am yeah, I remembering yeah. correctly? So, um, you know, using digital models, using real-time tools, using projection or LED, it allows you to, you know change how somebody experiences the real world. And that can happen in glasses, you know, like HoloLens or Magic Leap. It could also happen using using projector, uh, projection mapping. So, yeah, it's the tools have never been better for people that create stories, experiences, or both to bring these things to life. And, to, and it's, it's this integration that, that I'm most interested in is, is, is um, you know, taking all the the wonderful gameplay gamification things that we had or taking the the you know the the challenge with a theme park um i i built one year i built 32 uh, uh, haunted houses, um, and oh, dude, that uh, sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, it was a it was a crazy crazy year. Um, but I- in the process, I had to for the first time like design something that could deal with thirty thousand people going yeah. through it in in one night. Um, <laughs> And we had to glue everything down <laughs> because people would walk through there and just rip it off the walls. Yeah, yeah. Um, the amount of like all the like the airflow and the air conditioning and the safety lighting and all the like all of those 
parts of a theme park that that you know designing something for thirty thousand people to experience. Well, all of those things are now going into these these highly curated personal experiences where you can do, you know, two thousand people in an immediate experience, or two hundred people, or two people, um, capture that digitally and then project that to to to, to many many people. So you can. I'm really fascinated with this kind of. The real world and or the physical world and the digital world and the bridge between the two, and we use this term "fidgetal" uh, all the time, physical and digital, and it's that crossover of 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 fidgetal that um, I just can't get enough of, honestly. I mean, yeah. we're built to remember human experiences in a way that is naturally sort of selfish. What happened to me? How did I feel about that when it happened? So you can go and see a film and it sticks with you, but you probably remember. Um, moments that you experience more indelibly right so this this notion of kind of performance or receiving you know an experience is so powerful you know lots of us will go to a hotel and we'll walk through the lobby and check in and we'll go to lay down on the bed and take a nap or whatever but all of that was intentional what the napkins look like how was the texture of the, the 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 textiles on the bed and all those kinds of things now people have the ability physically and digitally to be intentional about everything somebody experiences and they can augment and I don't mean that necessarily in a punny way but that they can bring digital elements to uh, someone's physical experience in a way that you know positively kind of warps what their perception was of what happened you know you could have multiple people going through a uh, a space like Delta at CES came up with this screen that 30 people can look at the same screen and each see their own personal travel information. Yeah. So, you know, our near future is a curated personal experience that mixes physical and digital, you know, hopefully for our own purposes. The art side of that is also really interesting. So so we have a young um, creative producer who's in our studio here in London, and she comes from, uh, she uses Unreal a lot, um, but she comes from a, a performance art and a, you know, yeah. like a real art background. And she's got a little collective that they were just in Germany doing a performance. They've done a lot of stuff here in London. Um, and what's amazing about what they're doing there is they've done a lot of 3D art and they uh, they you incorporate live performance um, with that 3D art and the interplay in real time between the live performance and the 3D art and, and how those worlds work. It just it's um, it's so tactile, you know, uh, um, it's, it's beautiful. So, um, yeah, it's 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 an exciting time for tech, but it's equally an exciting time for artists and storytellers and creators. Because last year, I, I actually, I ended up in LA for a wedding and I thought, well, this is my chance to go to Disney. Because I thought I've got, as someone who works in experience, I've got to go and do the factory visit, so to speak. Do you know sure. I mean? <laughs> so I took my wife. It was a business trip, this though. It was purely for research. <laughs> R&D, I understand. It was 100% yes, yeah. R&D. Yeah, because totally. Yes. we had to go and take photos and I, there were things we had to do. Like you I had do to what see you gotta do. Star Wars bit. I had to see what that looked like. <laughs> you go to Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, I had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got to do it. But the... The thing that impressed me wasn't really the tech anymore that's there because a lot of it, if you work in what we do, that's what we, right. you know, we do that stuff quite quite a lot, you know. The thing that impressed me was the detail that yes. they have there, yeah. which I thought was second to none. And it's that's that made me understand why Disney is kind of one of the leaders in experiences. The level of detail on each little thing that yeah. they do. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it translates through to the digital, to the physical, and it's it quite do, mind-blowing. It, it does. Um, all the... All the tiny bits really matter, um, and we, we, I mean, at, at Hilo, we go to 
excruciating trouble to make sure that that those because the the, the problem is um, it is way easier to take you out than to put you in everything's got to work in concert to to completely immerse you but just one you know whatever will will bump you out immediately and especially if it doesn't fit within the overall journey and design it it can completely destroy you and i guess you only really learn that skill set through experience right as a as a creator right you know i'm just thinking of hilo specifically like you guys will yeah. have quite a refined eye when it comes to that will bump you out that will keep you in yeah i mean it's really interesting we've been doing this for seven years now right so so um uh in the beginning for for hilo it was very much about bringing film skilled people specifically production designers um because the production designers they're world builders like that's what they do right like the guy sitting next to christopher nolan when christopher nolan you know is in the room pitching his idea the only other person that's in the room is this yeah is this production designer because that person is going to actually physically make the world so when Hilo started we were bringing film production designers into that space but then we realized that it wasn't just for the film version of the experience it that place then became a, a stage if you will within it within itself and as we've evolved over the number of years we've increasingly found ways to to turn very different environments into um, experiences. Um, sometimes things that you would never imagine um, that way. Um, in fact, a lot of times we know we were under a good idea when there's this tension between like, oh, wait a minute, you can't do that. Like, oh, yeah, oh, we yeah, can. We can. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we right. can. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's a good point, which is, you know, as humans, we're built to be critical. We're built yeah. to disbelieve, right. to... Um, to reject and you know technology there's that old quote that you know the best technology is in, indistinguishable from magic right it's it's in those details that we are are drawn further in those details that are sucking us into suspension of disbelief and you know it was a funny moment back when websites were first coming around where people would say oh we could put the video on the website go get the video and somebody would go back to a production company and would say oh, we want that video, and it's like, oh, well, the director had to delete it off his hard drive to make room for another, like, that's not even a thing anymore, right? You know, like, cloud storage lives forever. So when you have project over project, the ability to build on what you've done before, you jump right to the details, and you stop worrying about, oh, well, you know, we can't use the car that was on Turbo Squid. We have to make our own. You know, now a car maker can say, look, here's the high fidelity built for marketing 3D model of this. We really want you to worry about selling, you know, the new metallic paint that we offer. Um, So we're able to stand on the shoulders of every single project that's come before to focus on those little details, to draw people in more. Um, and I think that's what's so exciting about the fusion of uh, digital and physical. Yeah, I I agree. So so it's this, um, this thing from highly customized personal experience to you know universal experience and like what what happens between those two you know those two places and i think i mean that's surely in the products that we consume now we 
we can be picky, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, addressability doesn't just have to happen on a television. Programmatic doesn't have to just happen in a website. You know, increasingly, this stuff can be customizing the world that you look at and the things that you experience, um, which is a little creepy, but I think used in the right way can can be curated to make the most of, of your time. I think people are getting more and more used to those. sort of. They're becoming less alien to them in terms of use. You know, if you think of how Google is in our lives quite regularly, Alexa, people like that. And actually a lot of people are very happy with that as a trade-off, you know, convenience yeah. for, yeah. well, privacy might be a strong word, but convenience for knowing more about you. Well, I think that's, you know, that's a dynamic that we've yet to explore completely is that, you know, for those people who... Um, of a, are of a certain income, they can afford to curate their lives in a certain way that is to their tastes. But for people that maybe um, need some subsidy uh, for their connectivity or their device or what have you, they'll be a little bit in, less in control. And right now that's confined to the screens that they look at. But increasingly as we begin with spatial computing to populate our physical reality with digital objects, that's going to get a little... Interesting. And I, I think, you know, it's all on all of us to try to well, keep, yeah. you know, light patterns there. And, and, and so not, long, so long yeah. as we're talking about problems, um, <laughs> uh, sustainability and, and, you know, keeping our world beautiful and, yeah. um, you know, cleaning it up and fixing some of the mistakes of the past and, and, and really attacking that. Um, that's on that's on us. That's on every single one of us. And uh, I do think that technology. Um, has a way to reduce your carbon footprint yeah. and, 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 you know, can, must, um, those tools must fix some of those, you know, mistakes. So, yeah, no, I mean, look, the, the, the <laughs> while I think both John and I are, are, are optimists and we like making things, um, there's, you know, there's a lot of work to be done, you know, by, by us and our future generations, you know. But it, it's funny you mention that because I think about that quite a lot. And I would say in the last 10 years, the outlook that we're being told is much more negative. But actually, the, the science which doesn't get reported is incredible. Like some of the, the carbon pulling devices which have been invented recently to pull and create rock two miles under the ground with, you know, we've got a lot of technology that's working towards it. And I think, yeah. you know, we, we are... There are good things happening. Absolutely. For sure. There are, I'm, I'm absolutely, I get up every and day. And that's technology as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I get up every day and I'm, I, I, I think joyfully for my, you know, for my children. My, my son's 21 and my daughter's 26 and, and they're, they're both doing, you know, great. And, um, uh, yeah, there, there are very real problems that we have to solve. Yeah. But at the end of the day, yeah, my, my, my glasses. Well, one's empty and one's <laughs> full, so yeah. I guess that makes it You're halfway. Half full, right? yeah. That's funny. Like, I think as an example, we live in this time where, in some respects, as you said, yeah. things are better than they've ever been. Yeah. Uh, but in other respects, we have more massive problems than we've you know, ever been able to confront. And I think, mm. you know, there's that old saying that, you know, technology's easy, people are the hard part. Yeah. And that's where we are, where we have, to your point about carbon sequestration and like some of the carbon capture technologies, we have the ability to do the right thing. Yeah. We almost can't get out of our own way. Yeah. And I, to your point, Rob, I think that we're going to need to look uh, in an age of coronavirus and mm -hmm. carbon shaming to look to technology as a responsible uh, choice for things like collaboration. You know, now you can uh, 
Facebook, I think, has like five or six different uh, social VR platforms where you could conduct a meeting uh, spatially and see mm. each other's gestures and facial expressions and stuff. And there are other uh, options for that kind of stuff as well. You know, that's probably just fine for a meeting instead of everybody flying to one place. Yeah. Uh, in an age where Mobile World Congress is suffering all of these brands that are pulling out because yeah. of, you know, uh, fears of the virus, hopefully humanity will learn other ways to, to collaborate and to cohabit mm. uh, spaces that leverage that technology so that we're not putting, you know, so much into the atmosphere. Boy, Once we got really heavy, didn't we? Yeah. We can't stay in our bubble. Yeah. We're all sharing yeah. this no, space together. Absolutely. And, I mean, yeah. I, I, you, we, when you guys were doing the talk earlier, you were talking about the Uncanny Valley and you brought up right. the Senua Hellblade example, <laughs> right? Which, so good. Uh, which is independent British game studio mm. using Unreal to create right. what I think is probably the most stunning game I've ever Truly. seen. Yeah. And I have a little projector on my wall in my basement, so I got to see it big yeah. and fat. And it's phenomenal. And that's a story about mental health, right? Mm -hmm. And so that, right. that to me is like a very big story told in a, in a totally unique way. And also the, the captures, you must have been so proud to see your game engine being used like that. I must have been absolutely popping I mean, champagne the, left and right. One of the bigger stories at CES this year was a, a, a virtual human, a digital human. And I think, you know, from my perspective, it, it looked more like video than it did like performance capture. And, you know, um, one of the... Was it Volcap? Uh, for the neon thing? Yeah. It may have been Volcap, yeah. but I think they put it together through, you know, yeah. real kind of uh, photography. Um, with uh, Senua's uh, saga and the performance capture... It really allowed that actress to capture every sig single nuance of, of the performance. And when you can do that, and when you can, can kind of put on the um, costume, as it were, of a character, it allows storytellers to fully realize their vision um, in a way that you never could do in the theater. And even kind of cinema can be difficult to capture unless you have the right, you know, uh, cinema uh, you know f uh, director of photography or techniques or what have you um and that can persist now across platforms uh it's interactive in many ways so absolutely i think that's a fantastic example of what a game engine can do to integrate all of those elements of performance uh, of set design and then free creators to be able to play that back in many different ways on many different platforms and there was huge depth to that game as well right i mean it, and they really used proper experts to talk about mental health it was a really great example uh with another one coming out this year i'm told which yeah I'm very well, and, and look we've got to demand that in our physical spaces too you yeah. know like that um you know we we have an architect who is part of our our studio and he's he does a lot of installation art and he does a lot of space to you know just space design and and sculpting spaces and technology and integrating those two things to essentially make the human connection better and the human experience better i think is at the center of our Again, it goes back to your detail, right? It's it is in that detail and making sure that it it it's pervasive in in everything that we do. Um, it's just not good enough to do it the way it was done, you know, before. Yeah. You know, Tom, you said something before that I, I want to come back to. Um, you know, the Senua game being about mental health. I think it's 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 nice that it's a. It's a different type of story than what you might see, you know, in a theater or on television. And I think that's an example of how we're witnessing kind of the end of scarcity as it relates to screens. Mm -hmm. 
you know, there used to be a bottleneck on how many places you could go watch a movie. And then we got VOD. There used to be a bottleneck on, on how good a video could be that you watched. And now with streaming capabilities, you know, people, a lot of people can watch 4K more all the time. Um, with the explosion in the amount of different types of screens, we have so many different ways to tell a story. So something like, you know, Senua's struggle uh, ar around her mental health now can find a home. And we can bring that to life in so many different ways. And that's not necessarily a game engine thing. I think that's just the removal of all these bottlenecks, whether it be constraints as to physical space, the scarcity of bandwidth, the scarcity of storage, uh, the scarcity of, of you know, uh, access to audience. Um, so it's that's one of the glass full, you know, notions is that we really can find lots of ways to tell our story. So that's quite an interesting, I wanted to touch on that as well, is how we're seeing the media landscape change. And you guys touched on it earlier. Um, you had a, a lovely slide which showed how much traditional media companies were spending or how much they were worth, and then the tech companies, which obviously are massively big, bigger. Yeah, much bigger bubbles. Much bigger <laughs> bubbles. And also, they are now content creators, and yes. they are starting to hold the keys a lot to what we see in the values that we are being told, potentially, through narratives and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting time, right? Yeah, it's a, it is a very interesting time. I mean, content, obviously, we've gone... Um, from from user generated content, um, or you know, we went from maybe in the Blair days from point of view or point of view content or or reality TV. Sorry, I was part of the early days of that. Sorry, <laughs> um, but but uh, from from that type of um, perspective of a very singular perspective to user generated content being so so much of it and um, but still not losing the the narrative you know the, the narrative way that we tell stories um, to to now a single piece of world building um, can have all of those experiences right so you know, you, you, you can walk into it and experience a set that was built for a movie but have a game experience on that set mm -hmm. as well as that same set becomes, you know, a background in an app that you're mm -hmm. using to, you know, so, so points in a story become, yeah. you know, uh, more you know have more facets to them and have more depth to them and so and then then of course the only way to deliver that is with 5g or or these massive infrastructures you know edge computing is going to you know change or is changing everything you know distributed well, computing and there's another dimension to this too um if you look at amazon not to pick on them uh, but they're a good example here when Rob and I gave this presentation this morning, we had to ask ahead of time, who's in the audience? What's their level of technology experience to curate, you know, uh, ahead of time and a bit real time, um, how we delivered our message? Similarly, audi um, you know, film studios will do focus groups to try to learn what the audience likes. When you look at a company like Amazon, they have an intimate knowledge of everyone that uses their service, what they buy, how much, when. So if you have a dynamic canvas that can show different things in different amounts, you can start to show it to them in, to different people in different ways, right? Um, there's a company that uses, um, I don't know what they call it here, but like a credit union, like a bank, uh, 
what pe- purchases people make to anticipate their life events before they even know. They say, oh, well, you're fitting this, falling into this profile that you're going to have a kid soon. You don't even know it. Um, and so they start <laughs> <It's> marketing <coming>. <laughs> services. So in that world, if you're Carrefour or De- Tesco or Amazon or Walmart, whomever, if you know where people are in their life, maybe you tweak the story just a little bit to play up the busy mom or, or the, the dad who's, you know, on the road, the breadwinner or whatever it would be, or, or the, you know, um, misunderstood child. Um, again, we're built for, for criticism. We're built to kind of tear things down. And it, storytellers may have the way to start really getting in our head on a whole new level. Um, it also could redefine product placement, right? You know, what if I see one brand of diapers in the diaper bag versus, you know, another country, you know, things get localized more than just, um, you know, uh, dubbing them. So yeah, yeah, real time localization. Um, it, and with great power comes great responsibility. Right? Yeah. hundred um, yeah. percent. I, I, at the end of the day, um, t- tools or, or technology is meant to be a, a pain reducer, right? It's meant to reduce friction. I mean, that's, that's why, you invented the cause to get you from one place to the other faster, you know, so in theory. Right, save your feet. Yeah, save your feet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think, I think that we've taken too, uh, enough of your time, guys. I just yeah, listened to the I could, I could literally, I could, ga- beer, like, I could gas on you guys all day. But we do, we do kind of ask one question at the end, and it's a little bit putting you on the spot, but if you, do you guys have any recommendations? It can be tech, it can be literature, it can be a film, it can be anything. Just one recommendation for anyone out there who's listening. Um, yeah, uh, the, so, so I'm, uh, reading a, a really, uh, great book right now called, Pr- uh, uh, Prisoners of Geography. Oh yeah, I've heard yeah. that. Um, and I would highly recommend that book. Um, in our current, uh, political situation, there's a lot of frustrations and, um, you know, it's always hard to get a frame of reference, no matter whether you, whatever range of political spectrum you are, but you can't argue with geography. Um, just, it has been that way for a long time and, and will continue to define our way of thinking. What I really love about Prisoners of Geography is that it helps you to frame kind of these big picture worlds uh, and and ex- ex- understand and experience events um, from a very, very practical perspective. And um, I'm loving the book. I highly recommend it. And, it, and it's a good um, frame adjuster for me. And also it like it takes the emotion out of politics mm-hmm. and really tries to look at it from a very practical perspective um and yeah i'd highly recommend and that culture as yeah well. and culture Massively, yeah. yeah yeah it's a great book so um since uh robin has so well served the kind of uh human and um character building side of this equation i'm going to go the other way and and do something more technical <laughs> please um, do <laughs> uh we all are suffering from a lot of overwhelm right now. Uh, we hear about, you know, 5G, IoT, uh, you know, cryptocurrency, the blockchain, AI, um, XR, on and on and on and on. And I think it's easy to, to kind of just feel uh, oppressed by the, over, you know, the, the enormity of it all. And like, what do I choose? Where do I focus my time? Um, all of these things, like pieces of a computer, like cloud storage is your hard drive and 5G is the, the bus on your motherboard and XR is your new screen, IoT are the inputs. All these things come together to redefine what a computer is. Um, the way in on any of this is just to experiment. Yeah. You're not going to break it. Yeah. You know, 
it's really easy to to make a voice app for Alexa. It's just you know kind of scripting, kind of you know uh, much like a web page, right? Um, game engines, you easy to experiment with. The tools are getting easier all the time. We're headed for these iMovie moments in so many types of these technologies where it just democratizes to the point where anybody can pick it up and start to use it and get value from it. So pick something that interests you. Take a half an hour and just make that first step in any type of technology that interests you because this stuff is coming. It's reshaping the, 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 the roles of the jobs that we have and the tools that we use to achieve you know, our ends in those jobs. And it's too easy to just kind of have inbox paralysis and not know what to do. And people should be brave and just take a little first step. Yeah. Yeah. Make something. Yes, yeah. make, make something. something. Maker's going to make, right? Yeah. <laughs> Maker's going to make. Um, guys, thank you so much. It's yeah, been an absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, we'll put all the links in the details below. It was wonderful to speak to you. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks for having us. Yeah. Really Cheers. appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Genuine X podcast and thanks to Rob and John for joining us. Until next time, thanks very much.